Transform the way you hunt with the all-new Bay Cellular Trail Camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. All right, this is the Whitetail Experience Podcast. Got a cool guest for you guys lined up today and a good episode from scouting and trail cam talk and and execution on bucks. Uh, Wes uh, just actually saw him at ATA last week. I I made the john over to Indy, but, you know, he gets after it. Uh, He is a saddle hunter. He is a a mobile hunter, public, private. He he does a little bit of both and uh, really enjoy this conversation. And he talks about some beds, some sheds, and some cool stuff he's been a part of uh, working in the space and now more on the product side of things coming from a little bit more of the management deer study type type work he's done in the past so cool episode today ata wise i would shot over to indy just for the day to to kind of help xop with the launch of all their products that you guys have probably now seen at this point um i can say the x2 sticks are are a solid uh option i i've kind of like the overall huntability score on those bad boys uh saw some other sticks come out i think uh both cruiser and latitude got some carbon stuff going on and as far as like bow technology i noted that um i believe pse's got some like shim abilities uh and yeah i think ata had a little more buzz this year than last year but uh i still don't know if that thing is going to stick around full time uh just due to the way things are shifting and changing um but yeah i appreciate you guys listening i did do some hunting over the weekend uh scouted um kind of got some information via muzzleloader time and tried to execute on a late season bow hunt ended up bumping a group of does and then kind of scouted further back in and no dice Uh, i had some deer i think work the shelf below me i kind of caught a glimpse of some legs and stuff and there was a good one in there uh, on, on the 10th ish is I, I trail cam to big buck kind of work in this area. So then I scouted, I don't know, like an additional 200 yards and that particular food source didn't seem super hot. So then I pivoted to go further North and, and go another two ish hundred yards, kind of scouting my way in, looking at things, trying to decide if it's worth hunting or not. And ended up setting up and, and yeah, like, I think I was just a, a, a bit off if, if that was a buck down there. Uh, not sure how much more hunting I got in the cards right now. Uh, through all my, I, I, obviously the new year, I, I've got a new balance of PTO, but the wife is kind of done and getting away from the house in the evening is, is becoming very difficult with two young children. Morning hunts, I'm not even 100% sure uh, if it's worth it, uh, but that's kind of where we're at. I think Dave's going to give it another hoorah or two, and same with A, but I might be done. Um, I think I, I got a, a decent amount of hunts in, especially for having two kids. Um, so I, I think I'll, I'll take a little time to step away from, from the timber, unfortunately, and then uh, start scouting a little bit uh, once my kids get through this damn sleep regression. Uh, been getting up at 3 a.m. this morning for the last couple mornings. And, yeah, just a, a rough time to, to get away from the house at this point. All right, guys, I appreciate you tuning in. I think that's all we got. Enjoy the podcast. All right. 
On the phone with me today is Weston from Redline. And I think to kick things off before he gives his elevator pitch, Weston and I met roughly actually a year ago right now. And uh, uh, I was talking to Eric in the Redline booth and Weston came up to me and we were kind of just BSing about some of some public land hunts, some trail camera stuff, like more scouting related than like archery talk. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I like this guy. Like, this is like my type of dude to like connect with, to work with in the, in the space. And, and so we just kind of hit it off. But Weston, that day you hit me with this rule of the three to one trail cam kind of thought theory, if you want to call it. And, and I think to kick things off, why don't you give me just a, a quick backdrop of your role and your position, some cool projects you've been involved with, and then obviously let's talk that three-to-one trail cam rule. Okay, yeah. Um, so right at that time when we met, I had actually just been working with uh, uh, just joined red line bow hunting and uh, trophy line tree saddle stuff with um, marketing director for, for both brands, December. So we actually launched red line like, you know, 20 days after my first day on the job at ata which was insane hit the ground running fire you know it was insane uh to say the least uh and before that i've been working in the outdoor industry for um it's going on eight or nine years now um for everything from content management to uh whitetail consulting uh heavy food plot stuff uh come from a background of marketing media content youtube you also have a bachelor's as a wildlife yes. biologist. Yeah. So I actually went to Purdue. How this whole thing started was I was like, oh, I could go to college for like maybe something like associated with deer. And at the time, you know, right when I was getting into college, growing deer TV, Midwest whitetail, I was like the heyday. And um, they all had internship programs. And, mm-hmm. you know, some of the biggest YouTube channels and professionals out there, like, come out of those YouTube. Or, uh, come oh, there's stuff. a laundry list of Sam Holt, Soholt, uh, the THP crew. Um, yeah. One yep. of the big guys from from Vortex, I, I Eric, uh, comes from that. Eric Barber. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, when Stone Road Media, that was the agency I was working for, we were working a little bit with, with Midwest Whitetail. Uh, Jeremy Flynn was, was over there doing a bunch of stuff. And... Um, and then I actually interned under Growing Deer, Grant Woods. So under Adam Keith, um, Adam Keith, Matt Dye run Land yeah. Legacy podcast now. And so just, you know, making a lot of connections, learned a lot from Grant. And then um, I met through that and QDMA connections, doing a lot of stuff with QDMA. I did a collegiate branch when I was in college and did a lot of like trail camera surveys for the, for the school and helping students and future wildlife forestry professionals like kind of real deep into conservation stuff um and met jeremy uh flynn that was doing stoner media and buck score it was called back in the day and then that kind of merged into deer grow the food plot spray a lot of people have probably heard about that and uh so that's what i did for like seven years and i learned a lot about marketing and um uh, just kind of built upon the relationships that got me to where i am today um but Mix the background for marketing content, obviously super heavy hunting. My all through college and all through my career, it's just all like been very focused on the hunting aspect, trying to, I went to Purdue and it's not a deer school, like yeah. it's not, not Mississippi state or Georgia, Texas a name. Like it's, it's the hurt and birds and, you know, 
But if I if I was going to a college, like not a bad place to be, Central Midwest. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I I know the the Southern schools have all those deer programs, but let's talk yeah. about where you're going to shoot bigger bucks. I mean, oh, let's get yeah. to the Midwest. Oh, speaking of, I mean, we were running trail camera surveys, and this was the biggest deer that came out of one of their properties. Oh my Mac Mac Daddy, we I found this shed. Uh, I've got the other ones laying around three years in a row. So, oh my gosh, for the listeners, there's a split G2, but like they're <laughs> at the split, there's still like six to eight, six inches uh, of the two on both sides of that fork. I mean, it's a yeah, Matt, it's Matt a mega. We had them three years in a row in a trail camera survey, and it's pretty cool running, running. You know, they had like nice reconnex cameras, all lock boxes, and oh, uh-huh, yeah, you know, unlimited corn to run the surveys, blah blah. blah. So, it's, it's pretty cool, but uh. Yeah, no, heck of a spot. So I've, I've actually lived and currently work three hours south of Purdue. So I'm in South Central Indiana, um, where I've been, you know, my whole life. I work from home my entire career. So it's been nice to kind of um, hunt here and, and stay in the Midwest, Indiana. Uh, yeah. And for, for our audience, like you, you, you mix in some, some public in both states, uh, probably some private as well, but definitely a very mobile guy, obviously with the trophy line background, like our audience. Um, and I think that's important, like knowing who you're buying products from in the space, like you purchase something from Redline and trophy line, like those dudes are running it. Like they're, they're mm-hmm. legit guys. Um, I yeah. think, I think that's why you and I have such a cool relationship, but let's, let's talk about the three to one. Cause yeah. that was a, a, a cool conversation we had at ATA and I have, I have quoted that since and, and given you credit. So mm-hmm. what is the three to one rule for, for kind yeah, of your theory? So- so like back, like a bit back in the day, you know, doing tons of trail camera stuff, like with the marketing and, you know, Moultrie and then the advent of the cell camera, which, you know, me and you've talked about that whole thing with, with cell cameras and ethics and choices and what we can make as individual hunters. And, um, but I'm a father of two, uh, you know, and, and time, especially with this, with, with the new gig is, is like, was non-existent this year. So you know, I rely pretty heavily on, on cell cameras with, with my scouting and, um, coming from the background of like, you know, studies and, and consulting and like, you know, actually wildlife biologist type studying, you know, this is nowhere close to scientifically proven tested. It's not even tested, but it's a rule for me to not be conservative. Like the, the, where I get into trouble, not killing deer uh, is because I'm too conservative. I'm like so ingrained with like, honestly, I think it's like ingrained with like QDM, QDMA, like sanctuaries and, you know, that whole talk, food plotting, private ground. And what happened was right at the onset of COVID, I lost all my private like land. I literally lost like five or 600 acres worth of ground. Um, and it was, wow. you know, whether it was like landowner dying, change of hands, selling, my core property that I still hunt, which has now been reduced to 20 acres was like originally 80, 80 plus mm-hmm. and it's sold in tracks. Um, so I had to go public and, um, in, in multiple States. And, um, so I was kind of forced to really dive into the, the trail camera strategy there. And, you know, over the course of that, like I was approaching public way too conservatively, like, targeting this single buck on public, not really going after it with open eyes and, and, uh, 
but I was only putting like one camera down, you know, in the deepest pocket. Um, what I like to call like little buffer zones, just because I go back to, I hate dealing with pressure. I'm blessed by not dealing with a lot of pressure where I'm hunting at in, in these public land spots. Um, if I see a single hunter, like on my camera or when I'm hunting, like I'm pretty, pretty upset with, with the location I've chosen. So, and like this year, I've only spotted one cell camera out. Like I've got 10 or 15 cell cameras out there right now. Okay. Okay. Before my Wi-Fi took a shit three to one rule. What exactly is it? If you get one picture, tell me about this three to one rule and, and kind of what I, uh, I have now really adapted. Okay. So is again, coming from a wildlife background, not scientific, not even a theory. It's like a rule I put again. I mean, it is a theory, but it's like a rule I put against myself. I bet a lot of guys are already here. Probably is more like a general understanding that just, you know, you might not call out in your own head. Um, I think we get, when you adapt cell cameras, you know, coming from a private standpoint, again, QDMA background, deer food plots, management, um, just getting trained on sanctuaries and different things like that, like way too conservative. I was hunting way too conservative. I was trying to play exactly the right wind. And once I adapted to like a, the public strategy and the mobile strategy, like literally picking trees on the fly, like I'll sit and decide trees for wind for, you know, 20 minutes before it gets like, it's starting to get light and approaching. And I'm just sitting here chill, still trying to decide the right wind, just filling it out um, for a new area. And, you know, just kind of all those things in, in combination. Uh, I was basically thinking, okay, I've got a camera on a piece of private and I'm like pretty much dedicated to, I see that deer. I'm waiting on him to do daylight. Then I'm waiting on him to probably show up a, a few more times in daylight, see what kind of wind he likes, what's going on. And, you know, again, being way too conservative, like not moving. And what I've, with the public side, I'm only dropping one camera in, not two or three on this, you know, potential piece of private like I was doing. Um, and I'm also setting up for like, I call it like the second stage of public land. Like you're probably right here with me where you've got the guys that hammer it or coming in from the private, they're hunting the field edges, they're hunting the sign that's there in the summer. Um, or they're at the beginning of October for here in Indiana. But like when I'm hunting Kentucky, it's obviously a lot earlier, but they're hammering that. I already have my cameras back, like in their beds that they're going to be running in on the scrapes, the big community scrapes that they're going to be running that I know these big deer like to go to. So my cameras might sit dead for 20, 15 days. I had yeah. cameras, my best performing camera set dead for 15 days before the first deer showed up. Yeah. Um, it's like second stage, you know? So, I, but by that time, once that deer shows up once I have to tell myself in my head, that deer has been there three times because if he's there once in daylight, you know, how many times, every time you go hunt by a cell camera or another camera, you know, you're seeing probably 10 to one, the deer. So you have to apply that to, you know, just like a trail camera survey, the index for a trail camera survey, when you run it is dose, you know, or it's individual bucks and you have to, that's how you figure your doe number. You can't tell individual dose for the most part, unless they have patterns. So you have to pick an, an index and that's, you know, bucks. Now mm -hmm. you're going to get 
200, 300 pictures of a dose for every hundred pictures you get for bucks. So there's your buck to doe ratio, but it's still factoring on, you know, individual bucks. Yeah. So, you know, you'll see again, 10 to one, the deer sign, but you're not seeing the, you know, you'll see that buck once he's, he's there three times and it might be five times and it might be, it might be 10 times. Like sure. I this year. <laughs> I, I feel like what like does it for me is, is, um, one, you know, for, for every one pick, like he's walked by three times within say, uh, 30 yards. Yep. And I, t- I typically, like you discussed, like I, my cameras aren't the best summary cameras. Um, there is something I feel like around August 28th, those deer go for a little walk for a few days. And then, like you said, I, I really don't get a lot of uh, velvety type picks. I think that's due to habitat, but I start getting excited when I have like two occurrences of a buck, uh, going into like that later half of October. Yeah. Yeah. And that three to one rule now becomes very powerful, right? Cause I've got two pictures of him. He came through on the, let's call it the fifth and the 12th. And yes, those are days apart. He's not doing maybe that loop every day, but if now you apply the rule of, of three to one, now he's been through there six times. Now I'm liking my chances for yeah. a good weather system or, or I'm in the game a lot more. I feel like, yeah. um, for, for a strike late October, November. Um, yeah. Now I like learn this because like, okay, this, the, the top deer that you see on the European map, that was like my first like public land, mature buck, mobile, doing stuff mobile, like honestly actually chasing beds and like mm-hmm. going after specific, like very specific stuff. And I had not yet set up for the second stage of like the public where, you know, where cold fronts are finally starting to come in, you get the pre-rut there. Yes, you've got acorns, but like you're, you're back in that stuff. I had a camera sitting where I would, I would had it if I had hunted really hard that first 10 days of mm-hmm. the season. And, you know, all of a sudden the hunters came in, he moved off, but that's what I love about chasing public. I was able to chase him deeper. I walked for like, I think it was like seven hours. Um, I walked three, three or four miles, just all crisscrossing some, some points, you know, interest points for diversity. Um, going around clear cuts and just doing a bunch of stuff. And, uh, I, you know, this one spot had some very unique access and it was like what I would consider in that buffer zone of like the private guys aren't crossing the public border and the public guys are not going that far. So there's like that 50 to hundred yard, 200 yard area where it's like, that's where the deer sign's going to be stacked up. As soon as I started stepping into that buffer zone, I was like, Oh, I guarantee a big buck's going to get here. I took two more steps and a moose jumped out. It sounded like, and was just <laughs> taking branches with him. And, and then I took two more steps and I smelled him. And there's a, you know, huge bed sitting in, um, who's sitting under some maples and some, like, we got real heavy stilt grass, uh, okay. around these Midwest parts or, or these, these forestry parts. And it just bedded in nice, soft stilt grass and you know, got in the bed, chose a tree. I was like, if I find a mock scrape, 20, 30, 40, or a scrape, you know, 30, 40 yards, I'm putting a cell camera there. And yeah. it's like, I, it has to be game over. Cause I knew I like, I, this is that guy. Like I knew it and sure. uh, didn't see him, but just had a feeling. And how and, often did that deer hit that scrape then? And the, the pursuit after that. So it was like once he hit it twice, once in an afternoon, he hit it at night. So I assumed he'd been there like five or six times. Mm-hmm. And then, gets down a, a crazy rabbit hole but i 
an idiot. I was hunting a different spot after a different buck during the storm of the cold front coming in and God opened up the skies and lightning hit trees on the hillside behind me. And I like ran as fast as I could. And, uh, where I hunt at, we have some sinkholes and, and in particular, I've got a, like on my dad's property is a 75 foot down straight drop on a sinkhole. Like before you hit the bottom of that cave, um, some, some areas of public, they're like 40 feet deep. I fell into a, um, it was like eight feet deep, a sinkhole. I went over a log and my, my bow came out of my hand and turned my arm around and like, it may have, it was close to dislocating my shoulder. It sprained it real bad. Um, and I fell over and my feet were under my head and I was like, holy shit. And it was raining real hard and crazy. I actually didn't go out for that morning hunt because I couldn't even pull my bow back. It hurt so bad. So didn't go out for that hunt. He showed up with a big deer bigger than him, a mainframe 10, like just, he was, I mean, he's pushing 160, the other deer. And then a couple, like, I think two more 140 ish deer. Oh, wow. Slamming this scrape. And I'm like, okay, they're just dancing around like crazy in there. Like it's chaos. You get, and so I took some pain meds and figured out a way to like lock my arm back and basically maneuver this arm to draw. So so you're pushing your bow more than pulling it, essentially. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was ugly. Uh, cause I filmed, I saw, I filmed it that night and, he, I, I literally got in and saw him stand up out of his bed and it was actually like a marginal win. It was, there was two sides of a goalie. I came up on a creek and just got in a tree. Like he couldn't see my silhouette at all. And he was either going to go right or left. And with the wind like this, I knew it was going to be right more mm-hmm. often than not, but I had to, I, that's, I needed to hunt that. Um, and I actually rattled and grunted. And he made the decision to go on my side of the goalie and that's what ended it for him. So it was just, I knew it was heavily in there. I knew it was bad. So I just had to apply that. And also like, so experience from that, that deer, but also I think it's like the, how cell cameras train your head and people like this, but I think we forget that, you know, maybe if you don't use cell cameras or other guys don't use cell cameras, if I pulled a card from a food plot and it's been 15 or 20 days, if I saw that deer twice, I'm like, Oh my God, dude, he's all over this camera. But when you sit there day in and day out and you're watching the same damn thing, sure. If it's three days dry. You're like, where's he at? Is he dead? Yeah. You know, we're super critical of things. And, uh, and like, again, I'm pulling that card camera. I'm thinking that he's, you know, all over that camera. So I'm going to make a move from a private right. standpoint. Yeah, I uh I'm currently chasing a buck and I have three cameras within maybe a basketball court like you know the, if you were centrally located they're fif- you're 15 yards from all three. Yeah. Yeah. One of those cameras has never gotten the buck. Okay. So yes. if I were yeah, if I was running one camera in this basketball court area, um it's like a cut meets my food plots like if I was only running the one camera, I would totally not know about this buck returning. Um and, and to me, it really like, yeah. I don't know, um, you, you just catch him. Maybe he's on camera A and not B that day. And I even do that now in, in the, the public, too. I've talked about this with our listeners. One, I run elevated sets, so they'll they'll fail. A tree branch will blow in front of it and whatever. But I am no longer afraid to set cameras 20 yards apart, 50 yards apart. Um, 
because of you know they, yep. they, they you learn so much almost by running two or three in a cluster um in relatively close succession yeah so. yeah oh i so like knowing after we talked at ata and just like coming off some experiences like all right in my top two spots this year i did it in my top two spots i ran two cameras like literally 20 30 yards from each other yeah um in the case of the big deer that I have constantly been sending you, Indiana Public, um, I had it on no scrape, which is unlike me. Uh, usually, I find a good run, then a scrape, and then like it's a, in accordance to a bed that I know you know a buck will be close on. And then I put one directly on uh, a run where I know he was betting, and he didn't bed there this year. Like I I bumped this deer off last year of this bed, and he never once bedded there last or this season um again they're not too far off from each other they're just two different like micro bedding areas and he's all over the camera he's never showed up on the other camera and the other camera has caught totally different bucks yeah and um like weirdly and this is the same for the other spot that i test this on both on public both in indiana um both very similar setups actually no does like no does on that camera either. And then the other one had, you know, actually no mature bucks on it, but I think three or four individual, individual bucks, not a single one of those bucks or any does showed up on the other camera and a single, just one buck this entire season has showed up on that camera. And they're both like, if you walked into an area, it's a pinch point. They're two like community, big, nice scrapes. And you would not know which to put a camera over. Like it was by sheer luck that I happened to put my trail camera there last year and then doubled up this year just to be able yeah. to tell. Because yeah. if you would have chosen the other, completely dead. It is wild, man. And and it's cool to talk and, and learn like some of these uh, higher level thoughts just because, oh, talking with guys like yourself, similar pursuits, similar angles on things. Um, and, and yeah, I, I really like that rule and have applied that, uh, you know, throughout like this, this last year. So mm -hmm. let's, let's shift gears a little bit. Um, let's talk a little bit of red line. Like one, I love kind of where it sits in the marketplace as far as price point to performance level. Um, and then obviously the torch, uh, came out late in the year and there's some, there's, a, there's a couple cool features on that, that make it what I call a bow hunter site. Um, mm -hmm. why don't you talk a little bit about that bad boy? I know you're running it. Are you running the, the, um, the double stack? Yeah, it's the vertical two pin. Uh, so it's a brand new site. We just kind of started sneak peeking it. It's gonna, you know, be everywhere. Of course at ATA here coming up in a, in a few short weeks and, uh, you know, the, the site, so Redline, you know, Redline is a brand it's rugged, lightweight, sites that have been kind of simplified or accessories that have been simplified sites quiver stabilizers that's our that's our bread and butter so and it's all been simplified to like one get it to a cost that from from a hunter standpoint that just doesn't exist like getting some crazy good features that hunt at a price point below what you're currently seeing and this torch like all of our the previous sites the quivers um I'm actually running, I'll grab the boat right here. But like, you know, for, for you and for me and for most of your listeners, probably like this RL1 quiver is a three arrow quiver. For like a saddle hunting standpoint, lightweight tree stand, like this thing is six ounce, 6.5 ounces. 
three arrows mm-hmm. on when you're going deep on public like you're not slinging at squirrels and maybe yeah. the occasional coyote but you're not you're not going crazy and uh you know it's rock solid easy pull off uh back on and then so that that quiver is just you know again nothing um all the quivers mount super tight uh to 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 the bow which i like um i have price points too you know this is like the the hardier the rl1 series it's rl1 two and then three um and we actually have a four on a site but uh it kind of gets it to different different price points for guys and you know uh, different, there's actually some different connections on, on some yeah. of those. Let's, let's talk about the torch. Cause like I said, the metal tape, uh, option, you can't fail. Yeah. The, the fact that it's not a brick on the end of your air or on your bow, um, yeah. no offense to some of the other manufacturers in the space, but like you put one of those things on it's, it's, I mean, they're so stout. They, they just weigh everything down. And then I'm a big fan of the micro adjust for, for, for that factor, but, uh, two yep. pins, I really like a two or three pin slider, um, as a timber hunter. Um, yes. why don't you tell, am, am I missing a few things? What else yeah. maybe went into this that so, I'm not talking about? So the big thing is again, size to hunt. So this, the, the torches, you know, you're starting off MSRP 300, mm-hmm. 300 bucks for a site. That's okay. You're talking, you got a slider, you've got an internal four stage sight light that's USB rechargeable. So that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's a big thing that's catching a lot of people's eyes. Um, nice bright light in there. Again, you just hook it up USB. Uh, if you're hunting in a state that, you know, you can't run lights, just run it out pretty much. Yeah. Uh, just literally completely dead. And then um, verticals, two stack pins. The top pin is, you know, 0.019 then a 10,000 pin down low that bottom pin is adjustable so right now I'm running the 2030 a lot of guys run 2040 and uh you'll have double indicators dual indicators on both your metal sight tape side and we've actually put the option for a sight tape with a, again dual indicators on your um the, the tape side for the wheel so you can see your yardage kind of if you're over top of the bow um if you're on the side of the bow as you're shooting, kind of no where you are, you can double check, you know, because depending on the situation, I'll change yeah. that uh, indicator to 2030 to 40, you know, 40, yeah, 50, I like the fact it happens to be. Um, I, I do like the fact you can glance, you know, you could technically be a full draw. And, and this is like somewhat more common on the 3D course when guys aren't in the heat of the moment, but like it's still yeah. a pressurized t- style shoot. And what if the last target was 47 yards? You could you could literally get the full draw, peek over, and make sure you reset that wheel to your zero mark. I'm gonna call yeah. it for for, and and I think that's huge for a bow hunter's perspective. And then obviously the two different pin sizes I think makes a lot of sense when when you start shooting oh long range in the backyard shooting those bombs, um, having a, a smaller pin definitely helps. Yeah, and they're like I said, there's you know they're they're good and bright, got the light on it. But I went from a three pin slider. Our R1 carbon is actually a carbon bracket. That was like you know the big one when we launched, just because really cool, very lightweight, very you know rugged, just the ethos of the brand. But going to the three pin on the horizontal to the two pin vertical stack was like looking down a gun barrel for me. Yeah, when I put this thing on this season. It was like. Dude, I was way more dialed in, especially on the left to right. I think it was just like not a lot of complications. And I, I've wanted to switch to a single pin slider, but I haven't wanted to because I need, I want multiple pins. So the vertical stack with the adjustable is just 
money for me. But yeah, I mean, everything's really built again, super rugged, but it's very nice. You got micro adjust windage, though, you know, the locking, um, no guys can't see this if they're listening, but I mean, it's, it's deadly smooth and it's, yeah. uh, it's locks in nice and tight and, and if you, it, 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 yeah, <laughs> it, um, I'm with you. I felt like my left to right uh, grouping shrunk a good bit. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll, I would say my my 25 yard accuracy, which is kind of that tweener zone uh, for a lot of guys, I feel like got better because I'm I just got the single pin and and um, I, I'm I'm a big fan uh, of what you guys did with that. Yeah, it's a it, like I said, it's insanely popular. Um, it's going to be available here next week, which for, for guys, it's like basically the 28th, it's going to be available in store, um, for people to, to finally get their hands on it, but it comes with 40, uh, metal side tapes, actually 20 double-sided metal tapes, um, comes with the sticker tape for the wheel, uh, three different color bubble levels. So just different tastes, different, you know, blue, green, uh, red. right. You can make your belt look sexy. I'm, I'm okay with that. And, yeah, but I mean, overall, like the site for for listeners, it's it's a it's a sexy site. It's it's got red uh, red accents and uh, um, the indicators, everything, just very super well built. And again, for a price point that's under what sites like this cost mm-hmm. from a feature standpoint. So uh, yeah, dude, I've I've loved rocking it. I think it's given me a little bit more capability with and 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 definitely confidence. Um, but yep, that's the new torch. And again, we got quivers for mobiles, you know, hunters, saddle hunters, whatever you want to, if you want to build a lightweight bow, that, that bow is a PSC Evo XF30. And like, dude, that thing is nuts lightweight. I, and it's small package. I'm a small guy, you know, so it's. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do like the angle on, on the stupid, stupid light quivers and, and some of that, but let's, all right, let's shift gears. You killed a buck like, oh, three weeks ago. Two weeks ago, yeah, it was the last weekend of gun season. So, um, let's hear that story. Um, yeah, I, I, I want you to start it how you want. Uh, but if there's lead up, if there's trail cams, if there's some sort of off season scouting, yeah. give it, give us the details on 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 this buck. So this buck was, uh, you know, on this particular property. This this property is in Kentucky, and it is like it's just golden. I mean, the stories and the deer that have come off this property, it's a family property, but you know how family can be tough sometimes in terms of like hunting it, but also getting the time to go down there and drive all the way. And, you know, it's also a property where, um, you know, if it's got beans on it, um, it's got, you know, tobacco barn, beans, corn switches. And, uh, if it's got beans on it, you can, you can get a crack at it in the early season. If it's got corn, you, you ain't touching it until that corn comes off. It's just a struggle. I mean, that's just the way the property is. And you also just don't like, I love, you know, don't get me wrong. I love mobile pushing the boundaries, trying to figure stuff out, but there's just some properties that you do, you don't touch. Like it's going to get hot when it gets hot. And if mm-hmm. you go in there during a two weekend day, like you're going to kill a deer. And that's, that's kind of the way this, this property is. And that's the way you got to, you know, treat it. That's how my small uh, farm is. It's tiptoe game and, and then be there when it's hot. Yeah. You know, and we don't even risk it with the tiptoe sometimes. Like I go in there typically that first weekend just to one, get a crack at, get a crack at something in that opening weekend, potentially in velvet and then put my cameras out and I don't touch it. And so that's what I did this year. And, um, usually, you know, this property, honestly, it's, it's always sporting something usually over 160. And then a 
very good recruitment. Um, older age class, heavy buck to doe ratio. Long story short, this deer shows up one time. He's the biggest deer on camera at night at a scrape. And that's the only time he ever showed up. And I was like, okay, well, I know he's on the property, but this property, I've got three cameras on. I think it's, it's around 300 acres. Um, he's all over it. Like I, 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 get, I could almost guarantee he's probably all over it. It's got swamp, then heavy ag, and then big hill. So it's like very three way different terrain types. And he could be way down here and I'm not catching him on just one camera and he could be there the whole time. So that was my bet. So when we came into the gun season, um, my butt had been whipped pretty good on public, you know, running all of October and the beginning of November. So I was happy to jump in and just kind of take a ride on a property that like, I'm going to see good deer on. I, I actually rattled and every day I rattled for like three days straight. I brought in like six deer, six oh, bucks, wow. uh, two, 130, 140 range. And then they would go at it and push each other around. It was like, it was awesome. It was, it's right. always a good time. Let me ask this, because because I have my eyes have been opened. Um, I have always been a stand guy. Mm -hmm. I think with the firearm perspective, um, I am now very much in play. If I've got a gun, I want to take a saddle because of that mm -hmm. lean that that front tree system. Where you are are obviously you're you're very much a saddle guy, but like I gotta believe, dude, firearm season it's a no brainer. Even if you've had a yeah. preset in a tree. Yeah, like in this on this particular place, like uh, the corn was, you know, they'll cut the outside and the, the centers too, you know, got too much moisture or whatever. And in that particular cut, like, you know, it, I like, I do like hunting from the ground a lot, especially with firearms. Like it's just easy to make things happen. And in this mm -hmm. instance, I was hunting from the ground. Um, but before that, I was hunting out of a saddle just because I had to get up that, you know, 15 feet, just I had to get over the swell so I could make those shots and of the of the crop field and yeah the just resting on the bridge i was hunting i've been hunting a lot with a muzzleloader like that and just resting on the bridge and being able to turn and like even as simple as like um glassing like we were in some very open public woods and just glassing and just like slowly rotating perfectly but like being completely at rest <laughs> mm -hmm. it's it is it's and it's a lot i think it's just more stable shooting a bow plus a plus a gun, but, uh, it does make it nice to have a, a gun rest for essentially almost anywhere. So, yeah. That with that, it, it, especially if you get into those perfect trees, which not every hunt, you get a perfect oh, yeah. tree, but like, yeah. you know, if you've got the, the basketball-ish round tree and it's sitting right there in front of you, you, you pretty much have a monopod built in. And like, I, I particularly went on a gun hunt and I was like, dude, some of these shots, like one, I, I, after 45 yards, I actually might like my bow over, over my, my muzzle letter with a scope oh, on it offhand. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, uh, I was definitely like, I, I want to be in a, some sort of, uh, saddle to be able to brace against these yeah. trees in front of me to, to shoot that 60 to hundred yards a, a lot easier. you got the tree, but then you've got the extension of the tree, which is the bridge and mm -hmm. you know, being able to rest your elbow with, with whatever shot you're going to be taking. And then, just twisting and then also the rotation on the platform just like you know you can literally pretty much get uh there's you know all sorts of different degrees but it just kind of it honestly depends on what you're doing the tree setup and how you know where you're going to shoot that deer and you should be set up anyways where sure you're going to be able to make an easy shot whether you're right-handed or left-handed but this this particular hunt was a uh, was just ground ground and pound after after coming off a of saddle just because i wanted to 
I honestly was trying to hunt the swamp area a little bit more. Um, there's a lot of does, does in that area, uh, real thick. And dude, it was just simple as like, okay, I did my rattling for the morning. And um, usually the, the same deer come in was coincidentally those deer, uh, two or two of those deer never, two out of the six never showed up on camera at all on the farm. So I knew it was a good chance that he showing up once was likely in this area. And um, it was just a matter of sitting there, but the real mobile part of this was, so the first shot wasn't very good. And this dude heading into the swamp and I was like, uh Oh, you know, I've, so I shot on this particular farm. I shot a buck um, with a bow in a tobacco barn. They were bedded in the tobacco barn. Like they don't, there's no pressure on this property. So they sure. bed in run down tobacco barns um, driving up to the property for the first time. And for that year and, a bunch of bucks in velvet jump out and then we're getting ready. It's a flatbed truck and guys, uh, it's my father-in-law. He's like, there's a buck still bed in the yard. And he's like in the barn, he's like, it's big. And there's a missing board. And I actually shot through that board. It was a 25 yard shot coincidentally over some old tobacco and tobacco staves that were, that were piled up on the ground. And, uh, it hit him a little high, like no man's land and hit the offside shoulder. And, uh, he ran into the swamp, like literally into the water. Oh, wow. Like in the, into water after cattails and lost him. And, and later was dragged out by coyotes just on the edge of the swamp. And uh, so we found him. So uh, found his, found his skull and, and antlers. But that was, uh, what year was that? That was uh, three years ago. Okay. I think that was three years ago. Okay. That's um, wild. Yeah, it was. I, he always said, like, my father was like, yeah, they, they've been, they've been in barns. Occasionally, you know, like, yeah, like Field and Stream or, or an online article will show a, yeah. a, a picture. Yep. Um, yep. And I've read stories of a guy that's like, yeah, I put a trail cam in the barn because I, I kicked a buck out one day. And it's yeah. always bucks uh, that, that get the stories, maybe because bucks are cooler than does. But like, yeah. Oh, dude, it's, it's, there's beds everywhere. And there's two barns on this property and they're, you know, wide open. Right. And yeah. there's just bed and, uh, and, big deer tracks and sign all over them that's um, cool if i had another crack at it i'd i'd be uh you know in all black in the rafters going <laughs> after them so tell us about this buck uh okay i i got a little sidetracked by the tobacco barn buck Okay. There? I think, yeah, I think it just blipped out. Um, yeah, it's just off real sudden. Okay. So, so give me, I'll patch this again. So, give me the story though of, of this buck that day. Um, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, he, so this buck after I shot and it was a, I, you know, I thought it was a decent shot. Um, and turned out he was quarter and two, just a little bit more than I thought. The shot wasn't necessarily too far back. I pretty much just took out like, half along and then it was exit exit uh behind him um and so he ran in the swamp so i immediately got up which thank god i was ground hunting you know and i just ran out immediately and um but man it was like lifting up a hay bale and mice just going everywhere i mean i i got on the edge of that swamp and i think 15 deer busted out of there uh, this particular oh, like area and they're running on the hills they're going through corn and i'm like stressed out because i don't know which way he's going so i hit the blood i look 
look over and then I hear what sounds like a tank going out cattails. So I run all the way around and there's a, there's some like logging trails and pre-established runs, whatever, uh, where I can basically get some right angles on this swamp so I can see down the path and I get on it and he's booking up a hill. He's going a hundred yard. It's a hundred yard hill, like very steep. And he is booking up it. I put two more, I was shooting a 308, put two more 308s in his chest. Oh, geez. No reaction. He's still, I guess, 100% adrenaline going up. I shoot him actually in the shoulder trying to pretty much yeah. him. make and, it three-legged or, or two-legged for yeah, sure. And, and at one point, he's so vertical on my last shot. He's so vertical. Like, I put it between the shoulder blades on his spine, and mm-hmm. that's what did him in. It was okay. straight, straight down through. And it was wild, dude. I've never seen a deer eat that that many 308 before like they were decent shots kind of all over i mean it was yeah like after you got it you're like this is like a six seven out of ten like this isn't in the butt yeah like the heart was half and half intact so it was it was crazy but that that was the mobile part of that story just running like like crazy hey sometimes you gotta get mobile quick uh yeah (laughs) and we all been there i mean dude i have pin dave has dubbed me sometimes uh pin cushing some deer um I shot a deer on a property line one time, um, actually a buck in the corner of the room here. And yeah, like, dude, if I can see him and I think they're still going, I'm, I'm sending them bow or gun. I don't care. Oh dude. Yeah. He was, he was trying to get up to some houses and stuff. I was like, I am not risking the situation right now. No, you don't want to deal with that. No, but it's, it was nice to get that deer. Um, you know, and finally get, get some antlers on the ground just uh, be able to kind of take a step back for for family's sake and work's sake you know get yeah. out of the rut and then kind of now where i'm at and last week we were hunting um kentucky public with a guy that came in and just trying to get on some deer again for december in the second rut yeah nice man um well obviously we've had some technical issues but but i, I appreciate you jumping on here today and um you want to wrap up any any major how uh, teases you want to leave us with with ata this this will probably launch ata week Mm-hmm. Let's see here. This won't launch next week. It'll be the week after. Um, yep, yep. Anything you, you want to put out there to that the may uh, be coming in 2023 or, or. Yeah, no, I mean, on the red line side, like the torch is, is the, you know, that is the thing for the splash. Yeah. That's the splash. That's the, that's the big one. And, and I mean, just from the social media standpoint of sneak peeking that um, and, and all the ambassadors that have been tested like yourself and uh we've had an insane reaction to people wanting it. Um, and I know they're just going to be eager to get their hands on it as it becomes more available through the beginning of 23 here. But, uh, um, you know, that's, that's, that's the big one for the red line side trophy line. We got, we got a big one dropping okay. like massive. Um, so that, that'll be keeping us busy for, for ATA. Um, but, uh, no, other than that, I mean, kind of going back to that three and one rule again for just all the listeners, like yeah. it's not scientific or I'm not saying it's concrete. It's just like a totally a rule in my head to keep me not conservative anymore. You know? Yeah, no. And I like it. And, um, one of my buddies, Larry, he is like a, um, habitat consultant, but like he's a deer hunting guru or nut, you know, he's like one of us. And I think that's what takes like no offense to the clipboard biologist guy. Like I, I take a lot more like punching power from a guy like yourself who has the background, the sciences done the studies, but dude, you're a hardcore deer hunter. 
Like yeah. that, yeah. that's where I'm like, I, I trust that kind of information way more than, than yeah. just the clipboard biologist guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if like, if in a perfect world, I, I'd love just to sit over a trail camera all year long, but nothing's perfect because then you're adding and introducing pressure and mm-hmm. wind. And like, you're never going to be able to see that unless you just put a shit ton of cameras down, which I mean, it sounds like you've done and I've done, I know I've done in a couple areas and, and I still am with the same results. Like I get a buck one or two or three times. I mean, think about they're passing through just a small area, unless you've just got some food plot time-lapse or whatever going on. But I mean, there's some great pinch points, you know, out in public or on private, but you're seriously talking about this really small area. And I'm particular, like this private property I'm hunting now, they're passing through a zone that like, I can't hunt, I can't go through. And it happens to be like right behind my grandma's house in her yard between her pond and her back door. And it's like, mm-hmm. I know he's going through there, but I can't even send a shot. I can't, I can't do anything around that area. <laughs> and it's like, that's where they're going through. And it's just, they, they find ways to avoid camera, not intentionally. I think they're just uh, avoiding certain pressure spots and probably where you're hunting once you've hunted in there. But I just don't think it's worth it to remain super conservative. Yeah. Um, especially on public. And you've got to, you get that deer one time in daylight you owe it to yourself to go out there. And yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. I, I get a lot more excited now. Like I said, when, once I get two occurrences, man, like that's when I'm like, dude, he's, he's there. Yeah. Well, like, one occurrence, I still remain a little skeptic. Like dude, was sure. he just on a rogue mission like that day? Yep. Well, but, I mean, but, like, but once I get two, I'm all in. I mean, I was texting you and I remember texting you and a couple other guys and this was like, okay, he showed up, he showed up once in the morning, this, this deer in Indiana public this year the big one I was chasing. He shut up once. I went in after him that night. He showed up the next morning and I should have been there the next morning, but bam, he's on trail camera again. Now I, then I show up, I see him way off in the distance. Again, he's not on the camera, but like every time I was not there, he was there, but he was also on the peripherals. Like yeah. I could have killed him with a gun, but you know, just Maybe if I get good enough with this torch, I'll sling them at 80 yards, but not anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, I can't even see it like 60, 70 yards sometimes. Like oh, I'm like, no, I, you know, uh, the, the 3D thing. Yeah. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Tack has made it very cool, but like, I'm like, dude, I can't shoot past like 35. I swear. Yep. Yeah. Not with a buck. <laughs> oh, no, it's too risky. Wait. No, I just, I, yeah, I get too shook up or worked up. But, man, Wes, I, I appreciate you coming on today and, and kind of BSing on a few of these topics. Yeah, absolutely. It was fun. And I'm glad to kind of, we've had so many of these talks and to finally record them. It's, it's... Oh, dude. Yeah. Like, I just, I need to get an app installed on my phone. Yesterday's secondary rut talk. Like, we'll have to, we'll, we'll pencil that one in next December because I, yeah. I think you and I will have a lot of detail around that by then. Yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully I got something next week that we can talk about next year. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, you, you know, you and I kind of, uh, yeah, it'll be a good com- conversation for sure. All right, man. Cool. That works. Sorry.